We're not the starters. We're not even the backups. This is the Third Stringers Podcast, where we talk about the hottest sports news of the week. I'm your host, Noah Kratz. Alongside me today are the best analysts the show has ever heard, Justin Arbini and Josh Nowak. And guys, we got a lot to get to today in today's episode, so let's dive right into it and start where we've always started, which is the NBA playoffs. So first, we're going to talk about the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers were eliminated by the Nuggets in six games, at which point Damian Lillard posted an Instagram and he said, how long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meets preparation? Of course, quoting the late, great Nipsey Hussle. Uh, to me, it sounds like he's unsure about his future in Portland. So I'm asking you guys, what should the Blazers do in this offseason? Should they trade him or should they build around him? Or what do you guys think they should do? Let's start with Justin. All right. So my thoughts about this are, I think... Damian Lillard is having some hesitations being there. Rightfully so. He has had a bumpy, what, past nine years there at the Blazers. Um, I think if I'm the general manager or the front office of the Trail Blazers, I would, I would not trade Damian Lillard. I'm trying to make him happy. I want him to be set in whatever he needs because if I do decide to trade Damian Lillard without him asking, I think there's going to be riots. People are going to be boycotting the Trailblazers. Like the city of Portland would be very upset if the general manager decided to get rid of Damian Lillard. I also think they've been doing a great job of trying to please him, though. So they were uh, finally eliminated this playoff season. Um, they right away fired their head coach Terry Stotts and there are rumors and reports that they're pursuing to hire Jason Kidd which is like a direct request from Damian Lillard so they're already trying to please him they, they know he is unhappy and he didn't like the performance this year of the team so they already know he needs to be settled first and the only scenario where I would want to trade him is like you said with his quote after being exited that if he demands a trade. So, like, if if he demands a trade, I'm going to be trying to rebuild around McCollum and um, Nurkic. I'm going to try and get a nice, probably, compliment to them and hope that the younger stars on that team are kind of being developed well by CJ McCollum and hopefully they have a playoff run in a few more years. I can't imagine they come back right away after Damian leaves. But... As a as a fan of Damian Lillard, I would want him to stay. I feel like his dedication to the team has been super uh, like honorable and respectable. And I, I think as the team progresses forward, they should try to cater to him and make sure that he gets what he needs because he is one of the top 10 players for sure in the league. And he deserves everything that he wants. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think it would... I don't think Portland would trade him without a demand from 
Damian Lillard just because he has been the face of the franchise for that long. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on it? So, I think as as a Damian Lillard fan personally and not a Trailblazers fan, I would love to see him get traded because I think I would just, I would like to see him succeed. And honestly, I, even with offseason moves and this and that, I don't see it happening in Portland, especially with just some of the other teams we have in the NBA, like the Brooklyn Nets, you know, it's, I just don't see the Trailblazers doing anything major enough to where they can even compete with a team like the Nets. So personally, I'd like to see him get traded, but I think if, if I'm the Portland front office, you got to do everything you can to keep him. And, you know, I agree with Justin. I think trading him is, is only an option and it's only something you dive into if Lillard decides no matter what I want out, I'm not staying. Um, so personally, I hope he gets traded. I think, I think there's some teams that'd be really fun to see him play on. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I'm Portland, I'm trying to keep him and <clears throat> changing everything else besides him to try to make that team a contender. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to me personally, I just think this was a, like, right after the playoffs ended sort of tweet or uh, Instagram post. I don't think that he's going to demand a trade. He's said in the past that Portland is where he wants to be. He wants to make this a contender. And I just think that Portland needs to commit to him like he's committed to the city so far. Because, I mean, the guy has given whatever he's had to to make them a playoff contender every year. And, yeah, they might not be NBA championship caliber, but, I mean, they've made the playoffs, I think, eight straight years now, and that's mostly because of him. They have a few other role players, but it's been mostly him. And personally to me, I don't think that he wants to be a secondary option on a team, and I think he wants to be the franchise player, so, like, that would knock out the Lakers right now because it's LeBron's team. And I know that there's a lot of speculation around that, that the Lakers want him and would greatly appreciate a player like him, but they don't have the money to do it right now. And the only way it would work is if they traded one of the big two, like AD, if they made a just straight swap for Damian Lillard and AD, that'd be a crazy trade, right? But Obviously, that's not going to happen. They've they've built a chem- LeBron and AD have built the chemistry, and they kind of have to just stick it out now. Um, See, I, but, I think I think as far as money goes, I'm I agree with you. I think the money would be tricky, but I don't know. I think after, especially after this season, I know we were talking about it um, in a different podcast. Like LeBron's getting older, and it it just seems like to me like he doesn't even want to be the guy who has to score 30 points a game. And so AD maybe, you know, maybe has a different story, but as far as LeBron goes, I think LeBron would be fine at this point in his career to, to kind of back off and let someone else take over. I think LeBron would be totally fine with that. Yeah, I agree with you, but a part of this that I think we're kind of looking over is I don't think if, if, Let's say Damian Lillard wants to be traded. I don't think he wants to stay in the West. I think he's going to go over to the East and try his hand at the easier teams, quote-unquote, so that he can get to the finals almost in a year. I've I've heard there's been rumors that he's been in talks with the Knicks, or at least the Knicks have been tweeting about it and been pursuing it pretty hard. 
And I think that would be a great place for him to go to with him and Julius Randle. I, I agree. I agree. The only, pro- the only problem with that is he's not going to a better team. You know what I mean? Like, the Trailblazers are a better team than the Knicks, and yet they are a weaker division over there. But you still got to deal with the Nets, and that's what the Trailblazers, and specifically Damian Lillard, want to get over, is they want to get to the NBA championship. Because they played the Warriors in, in the uh, Western Conference Finals yeah. uh, three years ago now. Yeah, 2018-2019. Yeah, and I mean, like, they competed. Like, it wasn't an absolute blowout, and that was with Kevin Durant on the team. So, I mean, they could compete in the West. They just need some some better role players to go around them. It's It can't be Damian Lillard all the time. Yeah, if, if I'm the Trailblazers right now, I'm looking to shop out C.J. McCollum, and hopefully, ideal scenario... Either you you get Bradley Beal somehow, or you wait to see the team, the teams that don't end up signing Bradley Beal that were pursuing him, like um, Miami. I know Miami's trying to get Bradley Beal, um, but there's some other teams. The Celtics have been talking about Bradley Beal, Knicks, yeah. Pelicans. So you see where Bradley Beal goes, and you talk to them, be like, obviously this isn't Bradley Beal, but C.J. McCollum's pretty similar in playing style. He's uh, he's a good player. He's not a bad player at all. He just hasn't been getting it done in. Portland. So you talk to those other teams and you go, hey, here's CJ McCollum. What can you give us? Get some other players around him. I don't know. You, I feel like they could they could use CJ McCollum's talent to get a nice bundle mm-hmm. for whatever they need. I, I'm not entirely sure what their team needs right now. They just need something. See, I, but I wonder too, like, in, and I guess if, if Lillard was in a situation where he was requesting a trade, then maybe maybe it becomes obvious, but it seems like Lillard and McCollum have become like best friends, right? Like they, those dudes seem like they love each other. And so I wonder, I wonder if Lillard does stay, is the trailblazers shopping out McCollum, something that he even is going to let the front office do, you know? Cause I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to know exactly how close they are and, and what Lillard would sacrifice to still play with him, but I could see that being a factor. I mean, that wouldn't shock me if if the play, if the Trailblazers were trying to shot people out, and Lillard said, "You know, McCollum's off the table; he's staying." Right, right, right. It, it's all based on what Damian Lillard's chemistry is to the rest of the team. Because right. I mean, yeah, CJ McCollum blew it in that game five in double overtime, mm-hmm. but I mean, Damian Lillard might be able to get around that. Like if that like that was his biggest flaw you know what i mean and you're right if they are best friends yeah this is pretty negligible talking about it but (laughs) i think damien lord's drive to get a championship is willing to surpass his relationship with cj mccollum and like bradley beal is an interesting option or someone like Kawhi, and that's kind of off the table now because the clippers got past the mavericks but I don't think if the if the Clippers didn't make it past the Mavericks, I think Kawhi leaves. I really do. I but yeah, and if he went to the Trailblazers, that would be an interesting combination right there. Just yeah, I would have liked got, to watch that. Yeah, you've got some of the most clutch players in the NBA right now on the same team. That'd be very interesting to watch. Yeah, um, their their styles really complement each other. Yeah, that would have been cool to see. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
All right, let's get to the other news of the of today, and that was Julio Jones. Uh, this past weekend, Julio Jones was traded to the Tennessee Titans for a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. And in return, the Titans got Julio and a sixth round pick in the 2023 draft. And you talk about a horrible trade with DeAndre Hopkins last year. This is worse. <laughs> this is significantly worse. How did they only get a second round pick for Julio Jones? So my question for you guys, is this Titans team good enough now to beat the Chiefs in the AFC this year? Let's start with Josh. So just touching on on what you said about the trade being bad, I was thinking the same thing. And the, the only explanation I could even think of is that if you look at Julio's last season, his like his numbers were down, but that's because he missed more games. So I don't know, like... I don't know if having last season where he missed games and his numbers were down really hurt his his trade stock that bad, but I'm with you that that does seem super low for a guy like Julio. But um, I think, in my opinion, Titans getting Julio, that should make them scary to any team in the NFL. Um, if, if you just look at what they already had, you, you had a guy like A.J. Brown at receiver, and what I think is interesting is that Julio, throughout his career, he's like his his biggest knock has been touchdowns. It's been in the red zone. Um, he's had, you know, seasons like he'll have six touchdowns in two thousand in twenty nineteen, but he has almost fourteen hundred yards. Um, twenty seventeen, he has three touchdowns, but fourteen hundred yards. Um, and so that I means that's kind of been like his biggest knock is he's not really a touchdown guy. And so the Titans are getting a, a guy in Julio who is going to get you yards every game. And then they already had a guy like A.J. Brown who only had a little over 1,000 yards, but he had 11 touchdowns last season, which he was tied with Robert Tunyon and Travis Kelsey um, for fifth most touchdowns last year. So I think just the A.J. Brown and Julio combo to me, it's about as good as you can get with play styles and, and what they're good at and what they're bad at. And then you have Derrick Henry already, who nothing even needs to be said about that guy. <laughs> he had you know, over 2,000 yards. And what I think is hysterical is he had over 2,000 yards, and then the second best total yards was Delvin Cook with 1,500, which is just cracks me up. It's crazy. So then you have Derrick Henry, too, on top of A.J. Brown Julio. And then I get Ryan Tannehill is no Patrick Mahomes, right? <laughs> he's not he's not Josh Allen. But in my opinion, Ryan Tannehill is definitely good enough to take these guys and win a Super Bowl. So I I, I think, you know, Chiefs, Bucks, I think everyone in the NFL should be worried about the Titans team. Alright, I like it. I like it. Alright, Justin, what do we think? So I partially agree with you, Josh. I partially disagree. I do think the offense on this team is going to be scary, and they're going to be fun to watch because, like you said, the the duo of A.J. Brown and Julio is going to be great for the team. It'll, it'll pull that double off of A.J. Brown that they normally had on him, and it'll open up the run game to be not as uh, focused on for the opposing team's defenses. 
So other teams will have to really respect the game of Julio and A.J. Brown, and then Derrick Henry can just clean it up. It's just a tough offense to match up against and cover everything. But, like you said with Tannehill, I think it puts a lot of pressure on Tannehill. I think Tannehill has been getting the job done. He's been doing all right these past couple seasons. But with this star-studded lineup around him, he really needs to step up his game in order to prove that he can make those big passes to those guys and have opposing defenses respect the pass game in order for the run game to shine like it always does. And then going off of that, the part where I kind of disagree with you, Josh, is I think the Titans' defense, I mean, their defense was pretty bad last year. They were 30th in sacks and 31st in pressure rate. So their defensive line isn't great. They lost two of their um, two of their secondary and Malcolm Brown and who was the other guy? Uh, Adoree Jackson, I think I'm saying his name right. Yeah. Um, they, so they lost Malcolm, two Malcolm corner. Butler, but yeah, yeah. I oh, Malcolm Butler, my bad. Um, so they lost those two secondary guys. They got two secondary guys in the vet in Janoris Jenkins, and they also drafted the cornerback Caleb Farley. So they replaced them, but will they be better? I'm not sure. It's just I can't imagine this team beating the Chiefs just by outscoring the Chiefs. Or even, even like, I don't know. You pick any high-scoring team. I, the Saints are questionable this year just because of everything going on with their quarterback situation. But their defense defense is what wins championship, champions or championships. Wow, I'm, I'm <laughs> struggling today. Um, defense is what wins championships, and I can't see them stopping Pat Mahomes from scoring 50 points. I just can't see it. So I still have the Bills as the biggest um, competition against the Chiefs right now. I think the Bills overall are a better team. I don't know if their offense is technically better now that Julio's on the Titans, but the Bills have a better chance at limiting the Chiefs' scoring output to where that they can keep up in the pace of putting points on the board. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, how I see it is, right now, if the Titans played the Chiefs, the Chiefs would outscore them, and that's just strictly based on points. Just because the Chiefs' defense is good enough to stop the Titans' offense right now. I want to see the player development that Mike Vrabel will have on these new rookies in the secondary, and even on the defensive line, just because of how influential he is. I think Mike Vrabel is one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. I mean, he strictly outcoached Belichick in that first round, or in the uh, second round, second round, when they played the Patriots um, two years ago. And they went on to play the Chiefs, and they lost 35-24. to that was 35 to 24 without Julio. And yeah, the Titans defense was a lot better back then, but they've got a lot of rookies. They signed Bud Dupree and they have an upgraded Corey Davis in Julio Jones. So I think at the end of the year, hot take Titans will be in the Super Bowl. I don't know who they're going to play yet, but I think Titans will be in the Super Bowl this year. I like it. I like it. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I, I strongly I think- disagree. I think this this Titans team with Julio, I think is going to be insane. And I and I think Julio, he's, I, I think a lot of it has to do with his last season. He missed a lot of games. He didn't like put up big numbers. And so I I think a lot of people 
are sleeping on him and kind of forgetting the kind of player he can be, especially when you have a running back like Derrick Henry, you know, because he, he played for the Falcons and like how many, how many years did Atlanta, their only threat offensively was they're throwing the ball, right? Yep. Yep. And that's all, that's all teams thought they were doing. And now he's playing with a guy like Derrick Henry. I, I just think this Titans offense is going to be incredible. I'm anticipating huge things. It's the Alabama mentality. <laughs> yep. Derrick Henry, Julio Jones. This is an Alabama offense right here. No. And the thing is, the only the only concern is if Julio can stay healthy. Because I mean, he's yeah. 32. He's 32 right now. He'll turn 33 this year. So, and he's had injury history in the past. But I think that was also kind of how he viewed the Falcons' season overall. I think he could have played a few of those games last year. (laughs) And he was just trying to protect himself. So I get it. But it is a little bit of a concern. Yeah, for sure. All right. So next we got um, Coach K's retirement. So he's going to play one final season at Duke. Watch those... uh, Watch those ticket prices skyrocket. And overall, I think this is a huge blow to not only college basketball, but the Duke blue blood mentality. Uh, So who do we think will become the next blue blood organizations in college basketball? Uh, Let's start with Justin. I don't know about blue, but I'm going with orange blood and I'm saying Texas in the next. <laughs> I'm saying Texas in the next five to ten years is going to be consistently making it far in the March Madness bracket. I don't know why I think that. I mean, they did pretty good this past season. I don't know. I just have good a good feeling about Texas. I've been kind of thinking about or hearing about them the past few years as the bracket was starting to form. And I'm like, oh, maybe this will be the year that they win it. Maybe this will be the year that they go far. And I just think. It's becoming more of a basketball school because Texas was always just a, a football school. But within the past 10 years, I think people are talking about the basketball team a lot more. And I really think that they'll make the jump somewhat soon. I, I don't know if it's going to be this year or the next year. But within about five years, we'll see them either making the finals or just the final four. And really like cementing that they're consistently in at least the Sweet 16 for the next five ten years all right all right i like it uh they kind of have a similar situation as let's say like michigan where the it's predominantly known as a football school but times have changed now uh coaches have changed for their football program and they're kind of struggling right now in the football in college football so they've had a nice safety net in college basketball uh josh what do we think so I know we, we had a little chat before the you know before the podcast started. I'm gonna throw a complete 360 at you guys, okay? All right, and not right. and not because I I'm going against what I said because I I my initial thought I said you know Tennessee, I thought you know they I feel like they have a good program. I could see them in the next five or ten years being a powerhouse, but I'm switching up. I think that Loyola Chicago. I know, it sounds, I know it sounds crazy, but I think Loyola Chicago, people nowadays, right, the past, you know, two, three years, people know about them. I could see their team kind of gaining some some steam and 
I know I can't, I can't really, you know, the players' exact names because it had nothing to do with their, with their talent, but they had a lot of players who were not from the area, right? And I think as they keep becoming a team that is, you know, a, a talk of the March Madness tournaments, I think you're going to have more and more players interested in going there. And, you know, maybe you don't have the top, top talent, but you have some hungry guys who are up there on the list. And so in the next five or ten years, I could see Loyola Chicago becoming a team that's there every single year. All right. I like it. I like it. You know, I'm going a little more uh, a little more traditional. Um, I think the next biggest rivalry in college basketball is going to be that Michigan-Illinois rivalry every single year. Brad Underwood has done a great job with that Illinois program. They've come a long way in the last four years. And because I mean, four years ago, Illinois was consistently average. And now they've had Io DeSumo, Kofi Coburn, got some draft prospects. And I know that they've gotten some nice recruits from high school. And I think that Illinois team is going to be good every year now. Same with Michigan. It used to be the ACC matchup. It's going to be the Big Ten matchup now. Jawan Howard's recruiting. He's had the best recruiting class of the 2021 year. And I think that's going to consistently be a thing every single year. It's going to be the new Duke. They're going to have new freshmen coming in every year going straight to the draft. Yeah, that sucks for fans because you like to have certain players that you root for every year, um, such as Cassius Winston at Michigan State. Everyone loved him. They wanted to see him every year. But if they can consistently get that talent, they're going to consistently be on the top every year. And they're going to be the team to beat in the Big Ten. So I like that Michigan-Illinois rivalry every single year. I love that. I think, like you said earlier, with Michigan being known as a football school, I think when they brought in Juwan Howard, they knew that this is going to be big, bringing in a Fab Five player as a coach. like he, Everyone knows who Juwan Howard is, at least in Michigan. So having that uh, coach that was a former player, such a cultural icon, like players want to play for him. Like ESPN does a documentary on the Fab Five every year. Like people know him and they want to come and play for that coach, and I think that's going to be great for Michigan basketball. Absolutely, Juwan Howard was what Jim Harbaugh was supposed to be for their football program, and Juwan Howard has done an excellent job at Michigan. And Jim Harbaugh has fallen and has fallen very short of expectations. He's crashing and burning. He's yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I I think I think if Juwan Howard didn't do as well. We wouldn't view Harbaugh as a total bust, but they're both very similar in how we in how Michigan hired them, mm-hmm. and one is failing and one succeeding. So maybe it's time for Michigan's football program to take a different view. It is, uh, but that, we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> another day. We'll talk about that another day. All right. So let's move on. Let's move on to the question of the day. The question of the day question of the day i've got for you is from this past sunday uh we had two big events going on we had you know the logan paul and floyd mayweather fight it was the talk of the weekend and then we had the u.s men's soccer team winning the Concacaf uh american soccer tournament so my question for you guys is what was better for the sports world this past sunday was it the Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul fight, or was it the U.S. men's soccer team? 
we'll start with we'll start with Josh. To be completely honest, I don't even know how to attack this question <laughs> because it, it's not even a matter of I feel like I can pick one. It's more of a matter I think one of them was the opposite of good, and I think one of them was great. <laughs> I think I think the the Mayweather Logan Paul boxing match. Just I, I like I'm not even a huge boxing fan, but putting it into perspective and trying to think of a sport that I am a fan of in, in a similar situation, to me I think it's it's just a bad look for boxing. And I don't think it's a bad look in terms of it you know, it it's it's making a money and it's you know, no no such thing as bad press, yada yada. But to me it's just disrespectful. Right? I mean, Floyd Mayweather, a lot consider, maybe most, the best boxer who's ever lived. And he was boxing a YouTuber. And on top of boxing a YouTuber, he didn't even knock him down. Right? Which you can say, like, he wasn't trying, this or that. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But if you pick the best at any sport, the GOAT. Imagine if MJ, right? Imagine if Michael Jordan played one-on-one with... With me, right? I don't know. Some kid. And he beats me... He beats me, you know, 21 to 12. That's a joke. Right? <laughs> I don't care if he's not trying. I don't care if he's 60. That's a joke. And to me, that's just not a good look. As far as the USA-Mexico game, I think that that was better for sports. I think that the U.S. men's soccer team needed something. Because for the past year or so, everyone, all the analysts, all the fans, this team is so young and they're so promising, but they weren't winning anything, right? Pelusic was winning stuff, but not with the U.S. He was winning stuff for his club team, playing for Chelsea. So I think, to me, this is the first big accomplishment that this newer, younger team has, has gotten to. And so I think for that reason, it's really big. And on top of that, I think I think U.S. soccer is at a point where anything they accomplish or they win is needed because, I mean, they in 2017, they lost to Trinidad and Tobago, and they failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup, which was the first time we didn't play in it since 1986. That is atrocious. That, that's just so sad. And I love it, too, because I'm... I'm I'm looking it up and stuff, and it says many analysts called this the worst result and worst performance in the history of the national team. <laughs> so that just shows you how like down bad U.S. soccer is right now. So to me, I would say them beating Mexico, especially with this younger team that's promising to a lot of people, I think is definitely bigger. All right. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I see that. Justin? I'm torn on this, because to an extent, I agree with you, Josh. The boxing world kind of felt like this may be like this was kind of disrespectful in that Logan Paul was fighting Floyd Money Mayweather. But I, it's hard because I'm, I'm trying to think of it as is it better for the individual sport that they're a part of or is it better for sports in general? Like U.S. men's soccer team winning against Mexico, I think, was great for the U.S. men's soccer team and U.S. soccer as a whole. Like, I think that was that was more beneficial in that 
respective sport than Floyd fighting Logan Paul in that respective sport. But sports overall, I feel like the men's team winning against Mexico was just the start of something that could be big. I think they need to prove themselves going further into the Olympics and then eventually into the uh, World Cup. If they start winning some of those games and qualifying and doing all that, then yeah, I would say this was the catalyst for it all, and that's that's what jump-started their success in the future. But for the boxing match, it I mean, it is you're right. It is disrespectful in that, like, Floyd should have just knocked him out first round. But I think a lot of people know or came to a real, realization after it was done that they were just in it for the money. They don't really... They didn't, Floyd didn't go in there caring to beat him. He just wanted to get the money and leave, which I'm not mad at. I think anyone in that situation probably would have done the same thing. He's a retired boxer. How much money is he really making? How much money does he need is questionable, but him fighting Logan Paul open is like starting to open up. The Paul brothers in general is starting to open up this conversation of amateur slash retired competitors in any sport playing rookie beginner probably not pro pro level players in any sport either so like that fight is kind of like trying to show that logan paul is potentially ready to fight like legit boxers it's just a strange dynamic that's been started with the paul brothers of fighting and YouTubers fighting each other and all this weird stuff that might be good for sports as a whole just because it opens up a new lane for people to fight, new audiences, new ways to compete. And I'm not sure if we're if we know the effects of this yet. I think long term this might show up in like kind of like Ice Cube's three on three basketball that he opened up a few years ago. Like it's gonna be a new lane of sports that people are going to become fans of and it's going to start making money in its own thing. But right now, as of Sunday, I, I agree it was kind of disrespectful to see Floyd not just knock him out and, like, shut him up for once. Yeah. But it's, it's understandable, though, because he was just there for the money. And I'm sure they came to that... I don't know the word I'm looking for. I'm sure they talked about it before the fight and decided on, hey, don't knock me out. You can punch me. Just let the game or let the fight go all eight rounds, and we'll just call it a draw at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how I see this is we're in the age of TikTok and social media. So there were a lot more people watching that fight on Sunday than watching the U.S. men's soccer team. And to be fair, that fight got a lot more recognition from the media than the U.S. men's soccer team. So that might be part of it as well. But like I said, we're in a different we're in a different era where TikTok, people are making so much money off TikTok and it's for stupid things. And this is one of them where we have YouTube stars thinking they're absolutely amazing at sports and just because they're huge and i mean that's what logan paul's mentality was was that he you're right you're right they probably talked about it before because i mean if you watch the highlights 
Floyd wasn't trying. No, not at all. He was smiling, like, in the middle of the fight and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he was definitely in it for the money. And to be fair, he made a lot of it in this fight. And so I think that for the sports world today, this fight was big. And honestly, I would say that it was bigger than the U.S. men's soccer team. But overall, there was one event that was an actual sporting event. The other one was a show. And that's that's kind of how my mentality was on it, is that I think you're going to start... I think when the U.S. won the CONCACAF, you saw it on Twitter, and you're like, oh, we have a decent team now. But until we prove something in like the World Cup or even the Olympics, which we aren't a part of, then I don't think it's really going to mean anything until we make recognition in one of those big tournaments. I completely agree with that. That's that's basically my mentality as well. You're you're right. It was just a show, the boxing match, but its implications could be huge going further farther into into time and seeing what's happening. I don't know. It's just such a strange event. And such a strange thing to say that a YouTuber was fighting Floyd that in the end, I don't know what's going to happen. Like The repercussions of this aren't known, and we don't know what's going to happen. And the U.S. men's team is like, okay, they won. That's good. I'm happy for them. They need to prove that they're an elite team later on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can kind of tell you what's going to happen. More TikTok stars are going to try to get into boxing. And eventually, one of these guys is going to get knocked out in the first five seconds because the other fighter just doesn't care and wants to prove something. See, I, I think I think that taking into account that Floyd Mayweather wasn't trying to even hurt Logan Paul, so if, you know, if we kind of ignore that fight, because I do think that, like, when, like, when Jake Paul beat Nate Robinson, I get it's not a boxer, but I think that, like, Nate Robinson was really trying, Right. It wasn't like Floyd Mayweather where Nate Robinson wasn't fully trying or anything like that. But I think, like, Jake Paul's fighting Tyron Woodley. I don't see, like, I don't see Tyron Woodley doing that strictly for money and not trying to, like, defend himself and knock out Jake Paul. And so I think, because to me, I I think looking back and, and seeing that Mayweather wasn't fully trying, I think that Tyron Woodley between the Paul brothers, like this is the like the most real fight that I think either of them are going to have. Cause I really do think that Tyron Woodley's going to go out there and try to knock out Jake Paul. And so I, I think it's going to end personally. I think Tyron Woodley's going to knock him out, but I think that's when it's going to end is when eventually they fight a serious fighter who actually tries. And then they kind of realize like, Oh Wow these guys are very good, you know? And not only are they very good, because I think Logan Paul realized, like, wow, Floyd Mayweather's really good, but it's also, this guy's really good, and he's trying to hurt me, right? Right, right. Because I think if if all these other social media influencers see Jake Paul, like, get rocked, get knocked unconscious, all these other TikTok stars are going to say, Oh shit! I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting a guy like Tyron Woodley. You know what I mean? And so then I think at that point it'll be TikTokers fighting YouTubers, and you know what I mean. I think 
I think eventually they're going to lose to a real fighter, and that will be the end of those types of people fighting real fighters. Right, right. Yeah, because, I mean, their mentality is, I want to get more popular. I want to gain more viewers. So, I mean, now they're trying to, now the Paul brothers are trying to get into the sports fanatics that that love the sport of boxing and are trying to gain their publicity. So, yeah, you're right. So, I could definitely see it going to just, like, a YouTube event where they do the same thing where it's pay-per-view on YouTube and they just have YouTube stars doing this. Uh, rather than like professional athletes, I could see that for sure. All right, let's move on to the uh, this day in sports history with Justin. All right, guys, for this one, it's just a quick one, quicker than last week's. Um, on this day in sports history, in 1829, the first public swimming pool opened in uh, England, out right outside of London. It's not really uh, anything groundbreaking, but. I mean, everyone loves a good swimming pool, and that probably really jump-started uh, swimming as a sport, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Where would Michael Phelps be without that swimming pool? Exactly. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> just something I saw. I was like, I, you know, in my mind, I always thought, you know, pools were a thing. But apparently before 1829. Oh, yeah. I bet that was disgusting. The pool was probably dingy. Yep. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. Sure. And the thing is, is what is, like, the next sport going to be? Because, I mean... Like, swimming was introduced after this. So what's, like, the next idea? Is it going to be something in, like, we're, like, flying? Like, we're going to introduce, like, a jetpack arena. And it's going to be, like, a different game, like, in the air. <laughs> That'd be sick. That'd be so much better. Real-life Rocket League, I think, would be so cool. That'd be so <laughs> fun. <laughs> right now we got oh. Spike Ball and Cornhole. So, as the new sports. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. All right, so that's all we got for you today. If you like the content, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the Third Stringers Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Stringers3RD, and on Instagram, Third Stringers Podcast, and we're on TikTok. So go follow us on TikTok. We post some great videos of some sports memories. All right, guys, that's it. Uh, We'll see you next week. Engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.